public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org For Radio Catskill, this is Rosie Starr. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, Keith Hubbard's Star Talk report highlights Jupiter and the moon during sunset. In his mid-February Hooked on Fishing report, Sweetwater Fishing Guide Evan Padua describes his catch from a Sullivan County farm pond. In her segment Now You Know, Stephanie Phillips finalizes her conversation with Nadia and Omawali Aduali, owners and founders of Liberation Farm in Jeffersonville, New York. We'll hear them exchange thoughts on their healthy diet. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country. But first, news headlines from NPR. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Nora Rahm. China's top diplomat called the U.S. shooting down of a Chinese balloon, quote, hysterical. His comments came as rancor between the U.S. and China over Beijing's alleged aerial surveillance programs heats up. NPR's Emily Fang reports. China's Wang Yi is in Munich for a global security forum. He told an audience that the U.S.'s shooting down of the Chinese balloon was, quote, 100% an abuse of the use of force. China maintains the balloon was part of a civilian research project. Wang also said that Russia's war in Ukraine must not continue and said China was opposed to the use of any chemical, biological, or nuclear weapons in the conflict. He hinted that, quote, some forces might not want to see peace talks materialize. Seemingly to mirror Russian narratives, the U.S. and NATO have sought to prolong the war. Wang did not mention any meetings with European or U.S. leaders, but he is expected to meet with U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken this weekend. Emily Fang, NPR News. The U.S. military is ending searches off Dead Horse, Alaska and on Lake Huron after no debris from high-altitude objects shot down last weekend were found at either location. NPR's Dave Mistich has more. The U.S. Northern Command says it worked with the Alaska National Guard, the FBI, and the U.S. Indo-Pacific Command to get teams in place in case searches turned up any debris from the object that was down Friday of last week. Military officials say Arctic conditions and sea ice instability played a role in deciding to end the search. The Unified Command Group searching Lake Huron is also ending its search for a separate high-altitude object. Coast Guards from the U.S. and Canada, the FBI, and the Royal Canadian Mounted Police have not identified any debris from the object shot down this past Sunday. Officials say they spent days searching the surface of the lake and conducting subsurface scans. Dave Mistich, NPR News. Twelve days after the earthquake hit, Turkey reports a couple and their children were pulled alive from the wreckage. At the same time, the death toll tops 43,000 there and in Syria. Among the dead is international soccer star Christian Achu. Ishma Fandikwa reports. Achu's death has plunged soccer fans in his native Ghana and beyond into mourning. All 20 English Premier League clubs will wear black armbands during their matches this weekend in memory of the Ghanaian. He represented his country 65 times, including at the FIFA World Cup in 2014 and was the African Cup of Nations player of the tournament in 2015. Achu 
Tutu scored the match-winning goal for his club, Hatay Spor, only hours before the earthquake hit Turkey and Syria. Hatay Spor initially reported Achu had been rescued and was getting treatment, but that proved to be false. For NPR News, I am Ishma Fundikwa in Harare. This is NPR News. This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farm and Country. Coming up on today's show, Sweetwater Fishing Guide Evan Padua describes his catch from a Sullivan County farm pond in this mid-February Hooked on Fishing report. In her segment Now You Know, Stephanie Phillips finalizes her conversation with Nadia and Omawali Adewali, owners and founders of Liberation Farm in Jeffersonville, New York will hear them exchange thoughts on their healthy diet. But first, here's Keith Hubbard with this week's Star Talk report. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill for this week's locally produced Farming Country. Country. I'm Keith Hubbard, and this is Star Talk. The Moon and Jupiter will be very close to each other in the sky on Wednesday. They will be separated by only one and a half degrees. The duo will be in the western sky at sunset and will remain visible for a couple hours after sunset. The two-day-old moon will be just a thin sliver on its lower right-hand side. Through binoculars or a telescope, The craters that lie along the line separated the lighted side of the moon from the darkened side of the moon will stand out in sharp relief. Jupiter will be off to the right side of the moon. If you have a telescope, keep it out and train it on Jupiter next. Through a telescope capable of magnifying objects 25 times, the gas bands of Jupiter and the great red spot will be visible. The gas in the lighter bands are rising and the gas in the darker bands are sinking on the planet. The Great Red Spot is a hurricane-like storm that has been on Jupiter for at least 400 years. Its winds gust up to 268 miles per hour and it can engulf three Earths. Also present around Jupiter will be three of its four Galilean moons. The three moons that will be visible on Wednesday evening are Ganymede, Io, and Callisto. Ganymede and Io will be on one side of Jupiter, while Callisto will be on the other. Look to the western sky Wednesday evening to see the moon and Jupiter one and a half degrees apart. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future StarTalk segments, my email address is startalk at farmingcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard reminding you to keep looking up.
For Radio Catskill and Farm and Country, this is Evan Padua bringing you Hooked on Fishing. This is Evan Padua with your Hooked on Fishing report. Here we are on February 8th. We're out here on a local farm pond in Sullivan County doing some ice fishing. There is not much safe ice around, but we are out here on about three to four inches of ice on a shallow farm pond. Um, I know some areas have thicker ice that might have more shade or higher elevation or are in a valley where cold air sinks and the ice might be a little thicker on some lakes or ponds than others. But I don't think there's going to be too much safe ice past today uh, around the area, so be super careful if you're out ice fishing. Uh, we're mostly catching a sunburn today, but uh, we're catching a few fish. Got uh, two or three perch, a couple small bass, and uh, we're doing it the old-fashioned way with a handful of tip-ups, a couple jigging rods. Um, we got some minnows, uh, medium size, like to do the smaller size minnows to catch panfish. Fat heads are better than medium minnows any day. And uh, we're jigging with a small yellow twister tail. The perch seem to be reacting to that, so that's nice. Just thankful to be out fishing on a uh, February day where it's 40 degrees and sunny. Hopefully we'll be getting back to open water fishing next week or maybe even later this week. Uh, hoping to target walleye out on the Delaware again. But for now, just uh, getting out on a nice pond for a few hours on this weekday afternoon. And we're hoping to catch a few more to fry up some perch for dinner. This was Evan Padua and Sweetwater Guide Service with your Hooked on Fishing Report. Thanks for listening. For Radio Catskill, Farm and Country, and Hooked on Fishing, this has been Evan Padua, casting off. Interviewing Nadia and Amawale Adewale from Liberation Farm in Jeffersonville. The farm not only grows and distributes healthy food, but strives to educate the community about healthy eating. Nadia, why are you growing just vegetables? And I understand you don't have meat animals. Uh, yeah, because we're vegan. <laughs> so we don't participate in the harm of animals as much as possible. So but also beets is very uh, nutritious. It's a lot of health benefits in it. Hypertension is the number one killer for a very long time. So we focus on beets to help our community to understand how beneficial it is to your body. 
They grow well here too. Right. I'm right. still harvesting exactly. beets from my garden. Oh, nice. Good. Right. Good. But they're right. kind of little. I don't know how to make them get bigger. I oh. think it's the rocks. I, I think was about to say. I, yeah. I think that's the rocks. Right I was there. about to say. Yes, it's fiery rocks. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe compost yeah. as well. <laughs> right. Have you always been vegan? I've only been vegan about seven years. Um, Omo Wale been vegan what nine? I've been vegan nine years. A lot of vegans say we'd have went vegan earlier right. if we'd have, if we'd have known. I was twenty years vegetarian before I went vegan. It gave me an opportunity to transition, and then also know that some people need better avenues of transition. So that's led us to a lot of different changes and opportunities to explain to people what veganism is and what veganism isn't. It's a broad understanding. Basically, it's no exploitation, as Nadia was explaining. There's no exploitation. There's no killing of animal, any animal. But also, we don't take from bees. We look at it like we're changing bees' whole culture, right? If we were to change bees' whole culture and they don't do what they naturally do and they die off, and that's what's happening right now, about four or five years, most of humans will be gone. As we go on, we would start to see fish come back into the ocean. <laughs> we would see foliage start to grow all over the world, and the world will come back and bring themselves. That's my theory. That's also based on science as well. When we leave things, things will grow, right? But we saw some of that during the pandemic because everybody, like right. in the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of people you know, with shutdowns, you right. didn't have that activity of continuing to strip from the earth. So a lot of fish started to come back. Right. A lot of um, animals started to breed and have more... Less pollution as right. well. It was right. less pollution. Less, air, less noise. Clear. Exactly. Less noise pollution. Exactly. And, and what people started to turn themselves to growing. Growing. And we were growing in our apartment in Brooklyn. We had already been looking to be here. We have been looking for... Like for three years for, before for three, we got up three here. Three years before <laughs> we actually got here. But at that particular time during quarantine, people were growing who have never grown before. All of a sudden, and that was that change in so much transportation going back that allowed the earth to kind of grow back. So when people say they're going to save the earth, you don't save the earth. You, you leave it alone. It's going to grow. And so veganism, it's not that believe that some people in another part of the world might be hunting. But what is the sense of you hunting? And there's a corner store, it's a supermarket down a block. That's not f for every single community to do. It's, it's over overuse. And this is a country that really likes to overuse, saturate, and really just run out its time. Pretends to be long-term, but thinks we have such a short-term capacity. Short-term, understand, we don't look back in the history. We don't look we forward. Don't look forward definitely. We just, <laughs> we're not looking at climate change. We like, it don't work in my financial plan. So I'm not going to pay any mind to that. And so the people who do, we, we, we we're forced to do that. And that's why some people are becoming minimalist. This is why some people are making so many different changes. But I think one of the huge change would be changing how we eat, changing how we process food. Three quarters of our agricultural land goes towards livestock farming. Livestock. Right? Yeah, that's livestock. That's a lot of methane gas from the cows. That's a lot of CO2 emissions. That's from the transportation that has to move the slaughtering of cows and pigs and livestock. Everybody has their hands dirty. But just because you have your hands with a little bit of dust on, you don't have to like make them filthy. Right. People who are, are really 
ruining this planet of trying to go bigger and bigger because the idea is mostly factory farms, right? It's go bigger, go home, but that doesn't mean that small farms don't participate right. in that. They do as well, but the larger farms are the big reason. Like you can stop something, your family can stop something. It might not do anything. It might do a little pinch. <laughs> it might do a little pinch. They try to blame a bunch of these individuals, but it's really if you were to stop that, go to the industry leaders. That's where the real change would be taking place. It's destroying place. the land. It's destroying right. the air. It's also destroying communities. A lot of these farms, a lot of these uh, factories are by communities that don't have a choice. They don't really have a choice. They're located in, in those communities. Right. right. Underserved communities. And so a lot of them are getting sick because right. of the pollution that is created by these farms. Right. right. Like what's going to happen? Where's, people don't ever ask, like, where's all the pig waste going? Right. Where's the cow waste going? Like, what's going? Like, where's all this death amounting the to? The fumes in the air. You're you talking know? about hundreds of millions mm-hmm. of animals. You're talking about billions of chickens. Like, they were saying, the astronomical numbers, I'm listening, I'm right. like, people are thinking that's going to happen. <laughs> and you're not going to have the number one killer, heart disease, for 100 years. Of course, you can mitigate a lot of this stuff. By trying to reduce more than just say cancel it out. I don't think people can tolerate that, right? <laughs> to really start reducing our meat consumption, animals, if just because you love things, there's a whole Japanese proverb that I can only explain to you. I can't tell <laughs> you. have to find it somewhere else. <laughs> just because you love something doesn't mean you have to actually pick it. Like you don't have to pick the flower. Right, right. Because you love the way it looks. You know, right. Somebody knows that quote. Right. Yeah, you obviously have strong opinions about uh, not eating animals. Definitely, definitely. And the vegan idea. How are you trying to convince other members of the black community to follow your lead? Um, leading by example, explaining to them what makes sense, educating about your food. Once you educate about your, your food system, something sometimes it just falls into place for some people. So right. That's why we have it where we have a black space where people can come and get educated and also participate in the growth of the food. Because a lot of times once you get into the work, Things will change and they fall into place. And then you spread that within your family and within your community. There's other people who came to our event October 1st and 2nd. They are so interested in doing the same thing or creating something similar. So they ask questions all the time and they really try to figure out how they can participate in this work, this work that we, this necessary work that we're doing. You know? yeah. Now, do you have classes? Do you have internships? How do you spread the word? We have farm days. So those are days where people can come volunteer or participate in sowing seeds, tilling, learning about compost. We also worked with horticulturist Brandon Morton. He's right. absolutely fabulous in teaching some of this information. Yeah, and we work with, a, yes, he's young. young. He's pretty young. So really getting people to see it and be a part of it. And yeah. spreading the word that way. Sometimes you just got to have just the treats there within the message just the opportunity just to have discussion to come in and being in good company Mm -hmm. and people who are going to understand where you're coming from people are going to be soft with you people are going to be understanding people are going to to feed you it becomes easier for us it's a no-brainer because if i'm giving someone food that that i have and i believe in the health benefits this is what nadia is saying 
all they have to listen to is the conversation. Do they understand how vitamins and minerals right. work? Do you understand that? What are phytonutrients? Ask yourself, does your doctor say to increase meat or to decrease it? Does it say increase vegetables or decrease it? What do you already <laughs> know? Like, we're, a lot of times we're just reinforcing things that they already know. Now you have a support system. I have two vegan books. It's another way. It, it means that I'm committed to doing this. It means that my story is also part of that as well. I've had heart disease. A lot of the stuff that I'm doing, it, it's real and it, it's believable. It's, it's tangible. Right. It's because it's us. We've had those issues. I've been working on this. My life is just, it's a great progression. And we're doing you know. it from experience as well. Like exactly. he was saying, that he's had hypertension since, what, 15? Right. I've had preeclampsia, two of my pregnancies, where I was literally not going to make it if I didn't take certain kinds of medication. We do this because we also have experienced all of this. And the best teachers, a lot of times, are the people who are going through it. What are you growing? I hear about beets and garlic, you said, right? Right. And what else are you growing? Potatoes and onions. Really? Yeah. Right. That's not right. easy. Tomatoes, yeah. Potatoes are actually pretty easy. Yeah, so potatoes <laughs> First are year, wait till next year when the right, when light comes inside. back. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> so we're looking to, to add, we've been cultivating our compost since last year. We're looking to also introduce more potassium and phosphate as well. And we strongly believe we'll be able to keep potatoes going pretty regularly. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, we'll be um, also introducing beet juice. We'll always have to continuously add the nutrients back in. But potatoes will not be a huge, you know, it might be number two or number three, but the beet crops is going to be 90%. Focus, right? It's going to be 90%. So everything is like we're just trying. So even our numbers focus on beets, and it gives us the flexibility to kind of try other crops out. So to be able to feed specialty. people when they come. Right, right. just to, to really to, to feed people, you know, <laughs> just right. as you said. <laughs> Right. right. So are you cooking for them as well? Oh, yes. yes. I'll bet yes. you're a good cook. Yeah. I'm pretty decent. I'm, you know, I'm getting up <laughs> no. there. Yeah, she's more than decent. Yeah. <laughs> I made a banana bread, uh, was it yesterday? No, right. today, no today actually. Today, today, today I just made a banana bread. It looks, um, I can't wait to. But you're not growing those bananas. No. No, no, no. no. <laughs> curry. She, uh, did the curry potatoes. Oh, was, um, for our last event, I made a curry, coconut curry chickpea. Mm. Yeah. with rice and some veggies on the side and yeah. that was a hit but Omawale makes a mean barbecue jackfruit right <laughs> I would, we have the the barbecue jackfruit is right now at Jeffersonville Bake Shop yeah so stop by so definitely <laughs> <laughs> huh and I don't know about jackfruit what is that oh oh <laughs> jackfruit is itself is uh, of course it's a it's a fruit and you could find it it's more in southeast asian communities india would be one of those places that would carry it but also other asian communities carry the fruit the fruit can be 20 pounds just one fruit wow it, you know, is it like a melon it's a cut between you know what you're not totally off it's a little taste of uh melon and something and that's a little when it's sweet and when it's not sweet the immature taste 
is more is is absorbent and it acts like uh, tofu. And so it's really meaty. When you cut it up before it, it becomes ripe and it changes color, it's very meaty. That meaty texture is what millions of people love. And you could put that in so many different meals because it absorbs flavors, seasoning, the herbs very well, just like tofu. And so when I make barbecue jackfruit and anyone really makes it, it's close to a, a pulled pork. Now, I'm never saying that it tastes exactly like pulled pork, even though some people who've eaten it say it's the same because it's barbecue. It's infused with that smoky, red tangy flavor. And so people, when they taste that, it makes them think back into maybe their childhood eating pulled pork. And so we've had people try it and we put it on the internet. People, you know, they love it. They love it. So So if you've never had it, you know, stop by the bake shop and order Omale's jackfruit burgers. I'm really interested in what people really think about that. Because it's also an interesting conversation. Folks who are coming up, some folks, they have different appetites, Mm -hmm. but they're also open in the town and they were looking for some of those options. And that's one of the things. Sometimes the demand doesn't catch up with that supply. Mm -hmm. or even that need. And I feel like marketing and promotions really work with that. And so why is somebody on TV marketing hamburgers to you so often, so vigorously, where it's every day? It's nonstop now. It's all day. Mind you, it's nonstop. (laughs) Nothing is remotely close to that that has to do with fruits or vegetables. Nothing, right? But veganism, this kind of perception that oh man they they really bringing that to right. but it's not reality but we're so conditioned that oh they're telling me on TV to go get this one ninety nine cheeseburger you know I'm going to get it bring up getting some vegan food it's oh my god what are you you know I can't <laughs> believe, I can't believe you? what they're doing to barbecue jackfruit right oh my goodness <laughs> the sanctity <laughs> um, Nadja would you be willing to share some of your recipes for beets um well I like to make beet juice a lot of times. Really? Yeah. You, you what do you do? You, you I just put it in a juicer. Sometimes I'll add an apple, um, some carrots. And yeah. just pretty much it for the most part. I'll add other things, but those are the main things I just add. Or just, just the beet juice by itself. Go straight yeah. to the system. Mm. Yeah. It, yeah, because that beets seems to be what I've got left in my garden. So I'm okay. just wondering yeah, just what to do. Them. With if you them. don't know what to do, I, just juice them. I, I think it was perfect answer because we look at beets as the answer. We focus on it as, as heart disease. It might be okay that somebody else doesn't, even someone who ends up purchasing it. But we're going to be doing beet juice because we want, we're thinking about absorption. So cold pressed beet juice is different than sauteing your beets because, right. which everyone knows, just need a reminder, you, you're heating up the vitamins and the minerals. And so, so we're destroying them. Now that's okay for flavor. We're no strangers to flavors. I mean, I make barbecue jackfruit. I love flavor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we have to be honest with ourselves in terms of the, the, the situation and the shape that right. country is in. Folks are unhealthy and the black community is hypertension. Heart disease, but heart disease is number one killer for every demographic here in the U.S. So that's so amazing. And then it's no, it's top three, top five, depending on any other country. So what is that saying that we've been listening to the wrong folks? <laughs> but also our focus is trying to bring a solution. When you cold press vegetables or you cold press in particular beet juice, we're locking the vitamins and the minerals with necessary phytonutrients that is going to reduce your blood pressure and that's how we're thinking about absorption what's the quickest way to absorb within your body in liquid form maybe liquefying these items 
it's going to give you a better absorption rate. And so that's why we want we, we get into focus your system on, a lot yeah. faster. I've, I've that's done, why we advocate for beet juice. I've grated Having them and made it <laughs> used them as salad with mm-hmm. lemon juice and oil. That's pretty that's, good. Yeah, no, really it, good. Is, it is. I like to roast mine as well. You yeah. roast them, yeah. yeah. A lot of seasoning do that. and a oil. little bit of oil. Right. Sorry. <laughs> Stick it right in the oil oven. Hurt. And that's right. it. <laughs> so now you know about the ambitious goals of Liberation Farm for promoting healthy living. This morning, you've heard Omawali and Nadia Adewale explain the particular importance of healthy eating for the black community. If you have suggestions for future Now You Know segments, please contact me, Stephanie, at wjffradio.org. This has been Stephanie Phillips for Farm and Country. Hope that you enjoyed our show this week with production by Radio Catskill volunteers Keith Hubbard, Evan Padua, and Stephanie Phillips. Special thanks goes to our guests, Nadia and Amawali Adewali, owners and founders of Liberation Farm in Jeffersonville, New York. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening local to Farm and Country and supporting Radio Catskill. Public Radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability a community-supported, science-based nonprofit, taking legal actions, providing tools for action, and raising awareness of fracking damage since 2008, proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org African American Studies is not actually about inclusion. It's about disruption. And that's why some fear it. I'm Kai Wright. Next time on Notes from America, the effort to eliminate black studies and how it reverberates in culture, academia, and politics. Plus, Misty Copeland may be a household name, but she wants us to know the name Raven Wilkinson. The beloved ballerina talks to us about her mentor in dance. Sunday evening at 6, live on Radio Catskill. On this week's On the Media, early coverage of the train derailment.